Man, I am so excited, guys, this morning. Can you tell I'm excited? It's not just that I've had coffee this morning, I promise. Um, I am excited about this new sermon series that we are in alive, not just living. We're setting aside the next several weeks, right, to really dig into this book, this beautiful letter, this book of Colossians. And, and the reason is because so many times... So many times in our life, we're just like living, you know, like, like we're just living. We're living aimlessly, brainlessly, without purpose, wandering through day after day, just thinking about getting to another moment other than the moment we're in right now. Maybe it's your vacation that you're longing for, or maybe it's just that like you can't wait to get to bed because there's a new Grey's Anatomy on, right? Like... On a side note, can you believe that show is still on? Like, wow. Uh, Anyways, I got a little ring here, Brendan. Um, If we're not careful, we can get to the place in our life where we are living in the moment for another moment, right? Like, a, a different moment than the one we're in right now. And the right now moment doesn't seem as exciting as the one that's coming, right? And, and so the right now moment gets wasted longing for a better one, right? But the truth is, is that sometimes we get to the moment like we've been waiting for and, and we're disappointed because it wasn't really all that it was cracked up to be. Like, like I remember being, being young and married, right? And, and my wife and I, um, I can tell this story because she's not here. Um, uh, my wife and I used to get so excited to go out of town, right? Like we would go on a road trip or there were days where like we would drive to San Francisco, you know, and do young people stuff. And like, um, and so like we would get so excited to go on vacation and then we would get to our destination and we would spend the whole time like arguing about total silly stuff, like whether or not to have IHOP for breakfast or something like that. Like we would just totally blow the vacation by arguing about silly things through the whole time and then before you know it the moment had passed right the vacation was over and we missed it like ah, you know like we missed the moment that we had been longing for and 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 building up in our heads and the sad part when that happens is that both the vacation moment is wasted and all the moments I spent wishing that I was on vacation and not being present in the current moment were wasted too. The thing we find throughout the book of Colossians is that we were born to be alive, not just living. And that because of what Jesus has done for us and because He lives in us, We can begin to live our life in a way where every moment qualifies. A life where every moment is worthy of not just our attention, but our intention as well. Last week, Dr. Mark, I don't know if you were here, but Dr. Mark kicked off this sermon series with an illustration that I thought was just absolutely brilliant. Like... Um, If you missed it, you can easily catch up on our podcast. But Mark used this analogy of like an orange tree. 
And he and his amazing wife, Adrienne, whom I love so much, she's awesome, uh, wanted to have that like orange grove smell in their backyard, right? But he said because of the way they planted the orange tree, they planted it in like this barrel, right? Because of the way they planted it, it never really grew or produced fruit. And it's because the orange trees were meant to live and grow in an open field where their roots can stretch out and run deep into the earth. Only then will they produce fruit. Dr. Mark said this amazing thing, and it's like a few sentences long. I'm just going to straight up quote him because like, the dude's brilliant. So he said, uh, he said this, exactly. He said, You see, living with Jesus alive in us allows us to have this amazing technicolored life which is not contained by anything. We are rooted in Christ Jesus, who is the creator of the universe. In Him, we have all we need and all we could ever ask for. There is no barrel containing us. There is no religious law or ritual to contain the hope and love and grace which Christ provides. In the orchard that is the life of a Jesus follower, we are free to grow and produce fruit and be alive not just living our lives out until the clock runs out brilliant that's so that that's like so good i i totally wish i would have wrote that like good job mark like that's so good like that was brilliant and and it serves as like a way cool intro into where we're going today i just said way cool sorry about that um uh (laughs) Today we're going to discuss the why, right? Because why is very important. We're going to discuss the why. Why Why should we be alive, not just living, right? That question actually reminds me of this movie, right? This classic movie. Um, it's called The Prince's Bride. Has anybody ever heard of that movie or seen that movie? Okay, okay, okay. Prince's Bride. Classic movie, right? Amazing movie. And it actually reminds me... Uh, I have to admit, actually, I've seen that movie probably more than I should ever admit. Like, when I was a kid, like, I probably watched that sword fighting scene on repeat 10,000 times or something like that. Like, like, but that question that I just asked you guys about, like, why should we be alive, not just living, reminds me of this scene in the movie where Inigo Montoya, right, and Fessick, who was played by Andre the Giant and all the 90s WWF kids said, may he rest in peace, right? And, uh, and, and we're trying to bring, like, uh, Inigo Montoya and Fezzik are trying to bring the man in black, Wesley, back to life. And, and so they bring him to Miracle Max, right? Who's like played hilariously by Billy Crystal. And, and Miracle Max fills Wesley's lungs with air and asks him this extremely profound question. You know what? It's too good. Let's just watch it, okay? Let's just watch it. Go ahead and roll the clip. Sir? Huh? We're in a terrible rush. Don't rush me, Sonny. You rush a miracle, man, you get rotten miracles. You got money? 65. I never worked for so little, except once, and that was a very noble cause. This is noble, sir. His wife is crippled. Children are on the brink of starvation. Are you a rotten liar? I need him to help avenge my father. Murdered these 20 years. 
Your first toy was better. Where's that bellows cramp? He probably owes you money, huh? Well, I'll ask him. He's dead. He can't talk. Look who knows so much, huh? Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Please open his mouth. Now, mostly dead, he's slightly alive. Now, all dead, well, with all dead, there's usually only one thing that you can do. What's that? Go through his clothes and look for loose change. so important. What you got here, that's worth living for. True love. True love. You heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. But that's not what he said. He distinctly said, to blave. And as we all know, to blave means to bluff. Huh? So you're probably playing cards, and he cheated. Liar! 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 Get back, witch! I'm not a witch, I'm your wife! But after what you just said, I'm not even sure I want to be dead anymore! You never had it so good. To love. He said to love, Max. Don't say another word, Valerie. I'm sorry. I know I let that clip run a little long, but, like, I had to get to the part where she's like, I'm not a witch, I'm your wife! That's like the best part ever in in the movie. Like, man, that movie's so good. Maybe we should just skip the sermon and just watch the whole thing together. What do you think? Yeah, somebody clapped. Come on, we're in church, people. Come on. Come on. No. Hey, but I love that movie. And sometimes I feel like we need to ask ourselves that question, right? Hey, hello in there. What's so important? What do I have that's worth being alive in this moment right now? Am I only mostly dead right now or am I alive, right? And so like, what's so important? What is distracting me from the right now moment I'm in? What is it in my life that is worth being truly excited about right now and will help me explore every opportunity God provides me with in the moment I'm in? And the answer is not Grey's Anatomy. It's not even love, you know. It's like, it's Jesus, right? And, And that's Paul's message to the Colossians church that we find in the Bible. And see, the whole book of Colossians, before it was in the Bible, as Mark said last week, it was actually a letter. It was just a letter. A letter written from the Apostle Paul to the church in a city called Colossae. And the Colossians church had gotten its start sometime in Paul's three-year ministry in Ephesus. During that time, a Colossian named Epaphras responded to Paul's proclamation of the gospel. Epaphras, being a new believer, went back to his hometown of Colossae and eagerly spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the Colossians church was born. 
at the time when this letter was written that we have in the Bible, some people spreading false teachings about who Jesus really was had entered the church. These teachings had successfully confused some of the members, and hearing this was very troubling to Paul. Epaphras, who started the church, wasn't there at the time uh, because he was with Paul in Rome, so he couldn't even help combat these teachings. Paul is in a Roman prison for preaching and teaching the gospel, but being confined in the big house isn't going to stop Paul from doing what he was put on earth to do, right? So, so when he finds out the trouble in the Colossians church, he writes them this letter. Where we pick up today in chapter 1, Paul has just finished telling the church how he has never stopped praying and giving thanks to God for them. And that he prays for them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul also prays for them to be strengthened with endurance, patience, joy, and thanksgiving. And in verse 13, to clear up any confusion, Paul begins to remind the Colossians of who Jesus really is. So let's take a look at the book of Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 13. I'll give you a second to get there. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Okay, here we go. Verse 13. For He, which is God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. And through Him, to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. And those words, those words are so poetic. I I love it. Like, I almost even just get choked up reading it. Like, it's just so... Beautiful, And some scholars actually believe that Paul is quoting an early Christian hymn through those verses. And throughout these deeply moving words, we hear Paul give praise to the Lordship of Christ in relationship to both creation and redemption. In verse 15, Paul reminds the Colossians that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And that He is the firstborn of all creation. I think this verse can be a little confusing sometimes if we're not careful. 
It would be wrong to think in like absolute literal terms here about Jesus being the firstborn. Something we have to keep in mind is that Jesus was not created when he was born to the earth. The Son has always coexisted with the Father in heaven since before the world was made, just like the Holy Spirit. This is what we refer to as the Trinity. Uh, also sometimes called the Godhead, three in one. One God made up of three equal persons who are all divine in nature. The differences come in in how they relate to one another and the role they play in a, in, to accomplish their unified purpose. Jesus has always been and will always be God. This diagram may help you visualize it a little better because I know it can be a little confusing sometimes and I, and I found this diagram very helpful. This is why some people distinctly say God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Some of the false teachers had declared that Jesus was just a prophet, just a teacher. So Paul is making this distinction of Jesus being the image of the invisible God. Not only because it's inspiring and beautiful, but Paul is reminding the church of this essential, this essential truth of Christianity. That Jesus has not only revealed God, but that He is God. So with that in mind, Paul continues to clarify any misconceptions about Jesus that the church may have by continuing to remind them of who Jesus has always been. He says in verse 16 that for in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. If Jesus is fully God, who He, he was there and had a hand at the creation of all things, both visible and invisible. And whether it's thrones, kingdoms, or rulers, all of it is under His authority. Christ has no equal or rival. He is Lord of all. In verse 17 it says that He is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. God is not only the Creator of the world, but He is the Sustainer of it. In Him everything is hold together, held together. If you look at the way the creation story is laid out in the first chapter of Genesis, nothing is created out of order. God creates one thing at a time. Each thing in order of its sustainability. God didn't say, um, let there be vegetation and seed-bearing plants before He made water and dry land, right? Like He created water and dry land first because the seed-bearing plants needed it. God is not only creator of the universe, but He is the sustainer of it. He knows our needs deeper than we have, have and could ever know. 
Because in Him, everything is held together. Verse 18, and He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything He might have supremacy. And we just celebrated, as we just celebrated on Easter, Jesus suffered a cruel physical death it wasn't like a pretend death or an illusion of death it was a full death just like a full death of his earthly body just like you and i will have someday like a lights out kind of a death and the power of easter and the reason why we celebrate is that though jesus went into the grave that grave could only hold him for three days and on the third day jesus rose to life and because he did, we can't we all can experience eternal life with God in heaven. Paul is reminding the Colossians that Jesus' death and resurrection proves his lordship over the material world. And all who trust in Christ will also defeat death and rise again to live with him eternally. Paul continues on in verse 19 and 20. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Here in verse 19, Paul begins to refute the Greek idea that God couldn't be fully man and fully God. We have to remember, we have to remember that Jesus was fully human, but He was also fully divine. And we can't diminish any aspect of Christ, either His humanity or His divinity. And in verse 20, reminds us that Christ's death provided a way for all people to come to God. It cleared away the sin that keeps us from having right relationship with our Creator, but, but because God gave us free will, we still have to choose to accept Jesus as our Savior to be saved. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, the way has been cleared for all mankind to be in right relationship with God. But we still have to choose the way. And the way is Jesus. Paul has just spent five verses going over some of the cornerstones of Christianity. He's reminding the Colossians of who Jesus really is. This true Jesus that they accepted when they first heard the Gospel. But in the next three verses, Paul begins to remind them of who they were and who they are now. And let's read on in verses 21 through 23, beginning at verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of, the, because of your evil behavior, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the Gospel, this is the Gospel that you heard 
and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Paul's reminding the church and and us today for that matter that we were once alienated from God. Because of our own choices, we were strangers to His way of thinking. And we were enemies in our own mind. Sin corrupts the way... It corrupts our way of thinking about God. Wrong thinking leads to sin which further perverts and destroys our thoughts about Him. So we were once estranged from God. And the key word is were. Because in verse 22, we are reminded that we no longer have to be strangers with God. Through Jesus' physical death on the cross, our sins have been washed away. We can be presented holy in God's sight, without blemish and free of accusation. If you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, Jesus took your sin upon Himself and you are now free. In God's eyes, it's like it never happened. You have been made new. Your record is spotless because Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, died for your sins so that you could be looked upon as holy by the eyes of God. Think about that for a moment. And in verse 23, Paul reminds the church at Colossae that the only way to stay holy in the Lord's sight is to remain strong in His faith and remain established and firm and do not move from the hope that the true Gospel holds out. Because of our culture, our culture is going to try its darndest to get you to put your hope in something else. Whether it's money, or power, or fame, or maybe even like a pseudo-watered-down version of the Gospel. Nothing holds hope in life transformation like the one true Gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says that this Gospel that I have just shared with you In this letter, this is the truth. This is the gospel that you were saved by. This is the gospel that is open to every living creature under heaven. And this is the gospel that I've devoted my life to. Now, okay. You may be sitting there thinking like, Jason, okay, okay, I get it. But we just finished Easter. Didn't we like cover this already? Like, isn't it time to like dive into something like a little less on the nose, like maybe the book of Leviticus or something? Like, maybe, you know, like, like all we've heard from you lately is gospel, gospel, gospel. And, and I would say, yeah, you know, you, you kind of have a point. I have been speaking on this a lot lately, and it's, but it's because there's a reason for it. Because there's nothing more important than this. There's nothing else that holds more potential for total life transformation than the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you ever find yourself getting tired of hearing it 
or being reminded of what Jesus has done for you, you may be dreaming of another moment than the moment you're in right now. Because moment by moment, the Gospel of Jesus Christ is the only true hope we have. The one thing that is worth living for. The most important thing we have to offer people. And whether they see it in the way we do our jobs, or we actually get to share the words with them. Every moment we breathe in and out, we are either putting Christ on display or we aren't. The world wants to distract you from the right now moment with God. But think about it. The greatest thing we can do in this moment is living with Christ on display in us. Paul finishes out chapter 1 of the book of Colossians by telling the church what this looks like in his own life. And he says in verse 24, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the the Word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim. He is the one admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Now remember, I mean, Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the Colossians from prison. And he says that even though I'm in prison, I'm not going to let that distract me from allowing Christ to be on display in me, in this very moment. In fact, he says even through his suffering, he is still rejoicing because God gave him the opportunity to present the church with the Word of God in its fullness. He goes on to say that God's plan for reconciliation with man has been kept a mystery for generations. But you know what? Now the cat is out of the bag, so to speak. It's no longer a mystery. It's history. Christ made the way and the way is open to everyone. Christ in you, the one who was there at creation, the one who was before all things. And in all things, hold together the one that walked the earth with full humanity and full divinity. The one who died on the cross and rose again, provided, proving that he is even the master over death itself. 
The one through who His own blood made the way for us to be made holy and blameless in His sight. The one who wants to be put on display through you every moment of every day of the rest of your life. Why should we be alive and not just living? The answer is Christ in you. That's why. I don't know about you guys, but I don't really have a whole lot of other things to offer people besides that. Like seriously, I'm like four sarcastic remarks away from being a Seinfeld episode. Like, come on, Christ in you, Christ in you. That is why we could be not just living, but alive, allowing Christ to live in me and work through me is the greatest thing I could ever do in the right now moment. But so many times we miss it. We miss it by daydreaming about another moment that's still to come. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. As the worship team comes, this week I want us to do something together as a church. This week, when you're at school, or whether you're at your job, or whatever your daily routine looks like, when you're going through your daily routine, if you have notes, I want you to write down this prayer, because every time you feel yourself slipping and beginning to just kind of aimlessly wander through the day, I want us to pray this simple prayer together as a church. I want us to make a commitment right now to pray this prayer this week and see what God does. And the prayer is this. Lord, wake me up to Your right now moment. The one that puts Christ on display in me. Lord, wake me up to your right now moment. The one that puts Christ on display in me. Let's say it together. Lord, wake me up to your right now moment. The one that puts Christ on display in me. Because there's nothing more important that we could do in this moment right now than to show people Christ in us. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank You for this truth, Lord. We thank You for the truth and hope of the Gospel, Lord. Father, wake us up to Your right now moment, Lord. Wake us up, Lord. So many moments we miss because we're daydreaming about something else, Lord. Help us to be present in the right now moment, Lord. Open us up to possibilities of the Gospel, Lord. Bring opportunity in our lives, Lord, to share the Gospel, Lord. Father, we love You. We thank You for what You're doing in this place, Lord. And as the ushers come, we lift up this offering, God, to You, Lord. We give back to You what is solely Yours, God. 
We lift up to You what has always been Yours, Lord. Use it, Lord, for Your purposes. Use it among the nations. Use it among the cities, Lord. Use it among our church, Lord. Father, we give back to You what is already Yours. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.